Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we come before you, and we do want to give you the praise and the honor that you are worthy of. But God, we're also pausing for a few minutes in a series that is focusing on how do we hear from you? Is there something you want to say to us? Do you want to get our attention about something? Do you want to have a conversation that maybe we've been procrastinating on, or maybe we've been striving to hear something and we just can't seem to find out what it is you're saying? For whatever each person in this room is processing, Lord, we do believe you want to speak. So we just thank you that you are a God who speaks, who pursues. You have our attention, Lord. Would you speak and have your way this morning? And we say these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. You can go ahead and have a seat this morning. If you're visiting due to Mother's Day, we're glad to have you. If you're visiting for whatever reason, we're obviously glad to have you. But we started a sermon series last weekend called Hearing God. And we kind of put it on the table that our God, who has existed in all eternity in relationship, lacking nothing and needing nothing, out of his great love for us, he still created people like you and I who were made in his image. And part of being made in his image is that we were made for community. We were made for relationships, first and foremost with him, but also with each other. But this idea that our God built us to resemble him, he's pursuing, he's coming for us, he has something that he wants to say, and I kind of kicked down the field what was our responsibility in the hearing part. I wanted to first really stress that before we do anything, God is the first mover. I think it's so easy in our culture, in our time, to think that everything is about us. Everything is about what we do, what role we play. But there is a a huge part of our faith that you need and I need to pause that God is the first mover. Did that land last week? We will have a part to play, and we'll get into that. But I just cannot say enough times in enough different ways, our good God pursues me and pursues you long before maybe you were ever aware of it. Now the question remains, if God has something to say, wouldn't we want to hear it? If, if there is in fact a God, and maybe that is the line you have not yet crossed, but you're here for various reasons, if there is a God, and if he wants to say something to the likes of you and I, I would kind of want to know what that is. I would be kind of curious of if that God is out there and he has something he wants to say, I would like to hear it. But I think we all agreed last week, learning to discern and learning to differentiate God's voice is a bit of a complicated journey, is it not? I mean, it would be nice if you and I got an email signed Yahweh. (laughs) It would be nice if there was a Facebook account, or you had a text exchange, we agree it would be phenomenal to get a letter in the mail from God the Father penned out to you. I mean, fingerprinted identification, photo, whatever you need. Like, this was beyond the shadow of a doubt, an explicit word from God. It would be nice if it was that clear, but it rarely ever is. It would be nice because what you and I will both find is that no matter 
what we do to pursue hearing from God, there will always be a little doubt if we understood quite correctly. There will always be a little doubt if you sense God saying something to you that you will wonder, is that him saying something? Or is that me saying what I just want to hear? You may wonder if God is as critical to you as you are critical to you. It may be complicated. Like, I I think God wants me to do something, but living in a very noisy world, I'm having a hard time hearing. Like, I, I think it's him, but I'm not sure, right? And then there's other times, if we can be honest, that we are kind of overconfident, We think beyond a shadow of a doubt that we always hear, it's always clear, but if we're being honest, God's voice and our voice sounds weirdly similar. You've met people, or maybe you will even self-confess to being a type of person that God weirdly says all the things you want him to say. Funny how that works, isn't it? And then for a bunch of you, I think you would say, I don't know what you're talking about. I just don't know what you're talking about. I've never heard anything that resembled God's voice. I've never even wondered if God was speaking to me. Like maybe for you, you are far more comfortable with a deity who lives somewhere and he's good or even if you're being honest, he's neutral. He doesn't mess with my affairs and I don't mess with his. But I believe he kind of spun the world into existence. He's off doing whatever gods do, and I'm down here doing what lesser beings do, but the thought that we would have an exchange, I don't even know what you're talking about. So wherever you land inside that conversation, what I want to talk about this morning for a few moments is how do you learn to hear God's voice? How do you start to get in a place where if he's speaking, you can start to learn this is God's voice, This is my voice. I can distinguish the difference, and here's how I'm learning to do that. If you have your Bibles with you, 1 Samuel chapter 3. Uh, If you've never read 1 Samuel before, it is a wildly beneficial and encouraging book, which sounds like an overstatement when it's the Bible, because they're all supposed to be wildly beneficial and encouraging. But Samuel has, has been a great book of encouragement to me over the years. And if you come to 1 Samuel chapter 3, uh, you find older Eli ministering in the temple, and he's got younger Samuel ministering with him as a young man. And there's this exchange going on between them that I think you will find increasingly encouraging. 1 Samuel chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, And the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place, and the lamp of God had not yet gone out. So it was getting on in the evening. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I I did not call. Lie down again. And so he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. 
and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down. And if he calls to you, you should say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came, and he stood, and calling out as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel, at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. Have you ever felt on your Christian journey what verse, chapter 3, verse 1 says? Has that felt like your journey from time to time? The word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent visions. Mature believers, can you help us? Does that sound like your journey from time to time? It would be nice, would it not, if you could walk around with a bag of quarters, divine quarters, that you could drop in a divine vending machine. And you could just pop in a quarter to receive a word from the Lord as needed. It was rare. Now you need to know when it says the word of the Lord was rare, it's not referring to the word of the Lord as we talk. It's not the Bible was hard to get your hands on, although it was, and there was no Bible. It was just the Pentateuch. But it was not a situation of the Bible was was thin and hard to find. It was the spoken, revealed Word of God. When he, when he says there, there was no frequent visions, we have kind of commandeered the word vision in leadership circles. At your place of employment where you do business, you might have a vision statement on the wall, right? You might have something that says, by the year 2025, we work and live to achieve such and such a thing. That's a vision statement. That is like a language, a, a preferred future. When he says there were no visions, they mean like dreams, prophecies, as from divine revelation. There was, there was not a spoken word happening over people very often, and that sets the tone to say what happens what, what is not normal. You have older Eli and young Samuel tending in the temple, doing faithful work, and God shows up by his grace to give a fresh spoken word, a fresh spoken revelation that was not happening regularly. Now, one of the things that I find interesting and encouraging is the grace of the Lord on display. I don't know about you, but I tend to hear this a lot from Christians. There's a fear of, what if God says something and I miss it? You've been there and I've been there. There's a grace on display where God shows up and says, Samuel, and Samuel mishears, misunderstands where the voice comes from. And I think we should pause and thank the Lord. He's not a one and done God. Comes back a second time. He goes, he runs down to Eli. It's not me. And God could say, well, listen, I've called you twice. How many of you have made phone calls, and if the person doesn't answer, I'm not calling again? He calls a third time. And Samuel went down to Eli a third time. 
Now Eli's kind of getting to a place of like, okay, time out. I'm not sure what's happening here, but something is happening here. So he kind of coaches him up and sends him back. And then a fourth time, this is the same God that has no problem sending a giant fish to get Jonah's attention because he was running from the word of the Lord. This is the same God that can make a donkey speak to disobedient prophets. If you are living in fear that God can't get your attention, I fear you don't know the God who's trying to get your attention. There is a grace on display where he comes back over and over. And as soon as you see the grace on display, we also see the specificity on display. He doesn't say, hey, guy. He doesn't yell, hey, for anyone who hears my voice. Samuel, Samuel. Now, one of the things they teach you in Bible study is that sometimes when a word is repeated, it wasn't verbally repeated. It was that so the reader of the letter could say it with emphasis. So you'll see things in Scripture where it's said double time or even triple time. That is plausibly written that way, but it could also be for the reader to be like, Samuel! Like, God's trying to get his attention with emphasis. It's not a whisper. And so he speaks his name with grace and purpose to say, I am trying to say something to you. I need you to hear me. And is that not the kicker? What is the value of God's going to speak over and over and over again if the people can't hear? So in this tiny little story, I think we see a couple things happening together. I think as we learn to hear the voice of God, I think you see three things at play here. One of the things I think is encouraging is that in the face of not hearing God's voice and no visions being given, they are still tending to the ministry in the temple. I think there are times when you don't get a fresh word, then you go to the static standing living word. And I don't mean static as in not moving. I mean static like this is our foundation. They don't have all of this yet. They are still living inside the story. But they have the same thing that, that the Lord says like, to Joshua as he's getting ready to fulfill Moses' journey, Moses' role. Be courageous. Be bold. Meditate and focus on the law, and this will serve you, and you will be profitable as you do not turn from the left or to the right from this. This idea that if you don't know if God is giving you a timely word, you go back to the timeless word. And they are ministering into the temple. They are fulfilling the law. They are doing the thing they are supposed to do until God gives them a fresh word. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, Paul writes to Timothy, All Scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped in every good work. You all may want a fresh word, but I just need to say there are times we need to pause and go back to the timeless Word of God. There are times where you need to go back to the thing that God said until He says something fresh and new. We will get into the thought that the, the timeless and the timely, they will not compete. 
We'll deal with that part maybe later if I don't forget. But the fresh spoken revelation of God will not compete with his timeless written word. So they're in there ministering. They're doing the faithful thing, tending to the law of Moses, tending to the temple. But then you do have a second thing at play. You have a fresh revelation spoken to Samuel. I love that in this moment, as he bumps into a spiritual reality that he doesn't have a reference point for, please notice what he does. He goes to the elder. Now, on one level, there is the obvious that the younger is there to tend to the physical needs of the older, but please don't miss that in the temple, the older was already training up the younger. When Samuel goes to Eli, I want you to notice two things that Eli does. The first thing that Eli does for Samuel is that he teaches the younger what to do when he finds himself in a place that he doesn't know what to do. The first thing you see is Eli saying to him, make yourself available to God. Go lie down. The second thing he says, and I I love this one, do not be presumptuous. He says, if God calls, if, God may not, but if by grace he does, go lay down. If he calls, respond. He says, Lord, speak. You're trying to say something, and I want you to say it. The fourth thing he does is remind Eli to have humility. Special revelation from God does not make you special. I think there are times we think somehow that gives special authority because you heard something first. Look at the humility. He says, go back, and here's the words, your servant is listening. We are always in the servant responding position. Steve Deneff says we like to use these things to create leaders when God's trying to create servants. He says, humble yourself, kid. Your servant is listening. I even like, although it's, this is, I even like that the older gives Samuel language that he does not currently possess. He could have just said, go lie down and respond when God speaks to you. The older person gives the younger one language they do not have. Say these words. Parents and spiritual parents. You might think like you are controlling your kids by giving them language and helping them. You are not. You are aiding them on their journey. When you teach them to pray, yes, there's a space and place to say, say whatever you want, kid. That may actually induce anxiety. When older Christians are leading younger Christians, I know we're trying to help by saying, you can't say anything wrong in prayer. Say whatever's on your mind. Yes, that's true, but that may cause paralysis. Like, if I can say anything, anything seems like a lot. When Jesus said, He wanted to teach his people how to pray. Pray this. 
our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He was not binding them by a script. He was giving them an on-ramp into a place they've never been before. Here's what's interesting. Samuel has been serving in the temple. He's had access to the written word, but he's never stepped into a personal, intimate, fresh journey with the Lord himself. A whole new world is opening for Samuel, and Eli is guiding him by the hand, giving him help to say, you need to figure this out, but let me help you on your spiritual journey. The third thing we see in play here of tending to the word and the ministry in the temple, going to the older people, and you're going to get sick of me talking about the olders and the younger, but I'm just not going to stop. The third thing that still had to happen was that Samuel still had to present himself to the Lord. Oh, sorry, I left something out. I said there was two things Eli did, and I only told you one, and you didn't say anything. <laughs> You're supposed to say, hey, bozo, you forgot something. The second thing Eli and Samuel did together, older and younger, is that when Samuel went and presented himself to the Lord and the Lord spoke to him, guess what Samuel did next? He does not run out and act on it. He runs back to Eli, and Eli says, share with me what God said to you, and Samuel submits the word to the older one. And Eli says, like, this sounds like the Lord. We're going to do everything that God said. So there's the gift of how to go get it, and Samuel comes back to the elder, and the older and the younger work out what it is God said to Samuel. That was the second thing you're supposed to care about. The, the third thing that happens in this passage is that Samuel still has to go and present himself to the Lord. He still has to get in a posture where God is speaking to him, he is humbly ready to hear, and he is ready to go act it out. There is an expectancy that is starting to form in Samuel's long, young life that God is a God who speaks, and I am a person who might be able to hear what this God has said. You've heard this talked about, maybe if you've read in other books, people like N.T. Wright and other spiritual fathers have adopted this, this Celtic, older, ancient practice called getting into thin places. We, we call it kind of spiritual disciplines, although I, that might not be as beautiful. But there's this old idea, and you can see it flickered in Scripture, where the Celtic forefathers talked about where are the thin spaces where the gap between heaven and earth get really small or thin? This idea of thin places is meant to be a gift for you and I. There are times we come to the Word and it feels like a thick space. It feels like I, I, I'm trying to read and I'm, I'm having a hard time reading because I have a hard time reading anything. I have a hard time sitting still when my kids are running around me and I'm trying to do the right thing to get the gold star beside my name, but it's not making sense to me. To keep doing it, to keep practice, practicing in futility, we're not earning God's favor or blessing practicing futility. The point of God drawing us into his word and into the temple and into elders 
is to get into the thin spaces where us, we, and God can connect in intimate ways where we can actually hear him where it's conducive. I'm trying to be careful, but what I want to say to you is that I think some people are living out spiritual duties and rhythms that worked for somebody else but might not work for you. Some of you may have been raised by a parent that got up early, 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 and your memories are them at a table studying hard on a hard wooden chair with no coffee in sight. You're like, well, that's how we connect with God. That's how it's done. But then others of you were connected by somebody who sat in a rocking chair praying for hours. Like, well, I guess prayer is more important than the Bible because that's what grandma always did. Or you were raised by somebody who loved to get out in the wood pile and chop wood and talk to God. You're like, well, I guess you got to sweat on while you talk to God because that's what dad did. I think what the Lord wants us to do is to get in postures and spaces and places where he has our undivided attention. We never actually get to leave the word. Please don't hear what I'm saying. But we get to build on the word. This is the foundation that informs our prayers. This becomes the foundation where when you're walking on the beach, the, the psalmist talks about meditate on the word. They did not have access to the scriptures the way you and I do. I want to leverage the scriptures, but not if it doesn't create a conversation between me and my Heavenly Father. The goal cannot be to get the gold star for reading your Bible. Do you hear what I'm trying to say? And so what you might need to do is, ah, I hate saying these things because I fear you're going to misunderstand me. Read less and hear more. Please tell me you hear what I'm saying. You might not need a whole book of the Bible this week. You might need one verse to go sit at a park and meditate and chew like your German shepherd on a piece of rawhide. <laughs> they turn three circles, lay down, and they gnaw on it. Do they not? And some of us need to take John 3.16 for a week or a month, and sit by the water and say, I'm not going to, I don't need another verse. I need to know what does it mean that God so loved this world. I just need to sit in that. And so you build on the word, but we need to create a thin space. Maybe you need the beach. Maybe you need an older spiritual guide in your journey. Maybe you need a younger spiritual mentee on your journey. Maybe you need to sit in a chair in your attic and look out a window and just rock. Maybe you need to sit in the garden, not emptying your mind. That's a different practice of a different religion. Fill yourself with the scriptures and the Holy Spirit and roll Isaiah 53. What does it mean that we have a suffering Savior? And roll and roll and roll. Here, here's, my, here's my conclusion. I would love for you <laughs> to not be motivated at all right now. <laughs> Everything in me wants to motivate you. I would love for you to take on your spiritual formation to hear the word of the Lord detached from me. I would love for you this week to do three things, if, if you would. I would love for you 
to learn how to hear God's voice without your pastor. I would love for you to take Luke chapter 15, the whole church. Luke chapter 15. Go to the part, you can do other verses, but go to the prodigal son. Go to the prodigal son, read Luke 15 by yourself, on your own. You can find a translation that works for you. You can find whatever works where you understand what God is saying in that story in those verses. Then I would love for you to find a study Bible, just a simple study Bible. If you don't have one, come by the church and we'll get you one. You can borrow one. You can, uh, they're online, they're free. You can find lots of options. Find something that you and the Lord study and chew on to help expand your understanding of what this means. If you don't have a website, go to blueletterbible.org. Blue the color, color letter, the, as it sounds like, bible.org, all one word. And you can have free commentaries, free lectionary, anything you want to expand, it's there for you. Please go dig if you want to dig. But start to understand the thing. Once you've spent your own time, you and God chatting, put it all down. Go for some kind of thing that's just you and the Lord to create a thin space. Go out in the wood pile, chop wood. Get in a canoe, go canoeing. Hop on a bike, get in the garden, rock in your rocking chair, stand at the wall, I don't really care what you do, drive in your car by yourself, maybe for at least an hour, and roll it around. Marinate it. Knead it. The dough. Get, get into it. I don't want to overpromise you, but if God doesn't show something small to you that you've never seen before, I'll be floored and shocked. I don't want to say that to set you for failure, but at least in the first couple times you try it, I believe the word is faithful to speak. I believe the spirit is good to speak. So if you roll, something will jump out that you've never seen before. Ask the, ask the story questions. If the father in the story of the prodigal son ran to the son while he was close off, why didn't he run to the city to get him? Ask that question. Thirdly, either as a family, sit around a dinner table as a family and discuss what you're hearing and what you're learning and throw it into the crock pot. I'm guessing you will have heard something somebody in your family didn't hear. And that will spark off new thoughts and new growth. Husbands and wives, make a coffee or tea and do it with each other. Single people, book a coffee with somebody. Find a friend to sit down with and say, I'm reading Luke 15. I think I saw you four rows over, so I hope you did too. And say, here's what I think God's saying to me. Here's what I think I heard. And put it on the table for submission, not to flex. Now, if you want to take it up a notch, find somebody who's been serving the Lord a decade or two longer than you. They will tell you questions that never crossed your mind. They will show you things you never thought you'd find. And I believe that if you are looking to hear God's voice and you have found that frustrating or difficult, I believe that if we submit ourselves to the timeless Word of God, if we enter into community with each other at a humble, humble level, and we posture ourselves in, in thin places, 
I truly, truly believe we will start to hear things from God that we never thought possible. Heavenly Father, I'm putting you at your own word. I've not, I've not made one promise here that your word does not make. I believe what your scripture says, that the word in Hebrews 4.12 is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing bone and marrow. I believe that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for the training up and the maturing of the body of Christ. I believe that you have spoken to prophets and generations gone before, and you've revealed yourself in Jesus Christ. I believe in the body of Christ today. I believe that older and younger need to mix together to sharpen and push and pull off each other. And God, I believe the way that Jesus did in Mark chapter 1, while it was still dark, while it was still early, the Son of God got up, went out into lonely places to pray. I wonder if he went out there actually to listen more than to speak. And so, God, I am putting you and holding you to be the God that your word says you are. I believe that if we, the church, practice what you have rolled out for us, you will be good and faithful to speak. So, God, in your grace, in your generosity, would you grow us this week? Would you show us new truths that we've never seen before? And would we hear you in fresh and new ways? And we thank you that you'd be willing to speak to us. And we say this in Jesus' name. Amen.